This is Aliens and Artists, part two of our conversation with Chris Kingston. Exclusive for our patron and plus listeners, I'm your host, Stuart Davis. Wow. We get into burning intergenerational anomalous karma, deciphering the clues around abduction, very unsettling experiences in the basements of churches, and the juxtaposition of haunted property and rainbow-colored mirages. Absolutely fascinating stuff, but first. Chris, the woman of light, skin like the mantle of the moon, wearing an indigo purple-colored robe. Her visitation occurred 10 years ago. Seven of those years were a kind of dark night of the soul. Was the dark night of the soul a direct result, or was it perhaps not connected? to the Lady of Light. What are your feelings on that now looking back? So uh, during the seven years, I kept asking the question, you know, why is this happening to me? Why do I feel like this? Why I kept trying to figure out why am I so depressed? And I never got a, I never got a really good answer. And looking back on it now, I think it was a part of an initiation process because simultaneously with my depression i was also experiencing the blooming growth of my awareness of being empathic feeling everybody else's feelings catching thoughts and visuals in my mind that i know were not mine they they're coming from other people but i was just kind of picking them up like a like a radio antenna and I think there is something about meeting the Lady of Light that changed something in me or activated something in me or something, or maybe it was a side effect, I don't know. But there was something about meeting her that kind of put these things in motion, or at least that's how I feel about them. And I feel like if I hadn't gone through the seven years of suicidal depression and massive anxiety, then my awareness of my empathy wouldn't be as deep and as rich as it is now. It was able to give me a perspective on mental health that has given me the ability to bring comfort and healing to people that I care about because of their struggles with depression and anxiety. And I don't think I would have been able to do that, at least not at the same level that I was able to, if I hadn't gone through that seven years. So I look at it as being a very positive time for me. Even if at the time it felt like the worst period of my life, I feel like I'm a better human now because of it. The fact that the woman of light was wearing an indigo cloak did not go unnoticed by me. Obviously, I met a mantis entity wearing an indigo cloak. One thing that's interesting about the woman of light you encountered is how seemingly independent of a tradition or lineage she possibly seems to be. I know you were doing yoga, just a curious nuance, but did you get any sense that she was connected to any particular path or context? Do you care? Does it seem relevant? Absolutely. So... I like to kind of make a clear distinction in my experiences between what I know happened to me and 
what I suspect or what I, I think about stuff. And, and this is getting into my, my own suspicions, as it were. Directly after the incident, I felt like I had just met a being that was the inspiration for somebody to come up with the idea of a goddess. Being in her presence felt very much like what I imagined being in the presence of a goddess of old would be like. And so at the time, I thought that I had just met like Hecate or Diana because of the different philosophies that I was looking into at the time. Now, in at the point I'm, I'm at in my life now, um, I think it's a little bit more accurate to bring up Marian apparitions. So uh, apparitions of the Virgin Mary. I was not raised in a Catholic tradition at all. <laughs> in fact, I was always taught about how evil the Catholic Church was, how it was essentially just the occult wrapped up in a different gift wrapping and presented in a Christian way. And so I didn't have very much of a foundation to work with as far as I, I didn't know anything about uh, the Virgin Mary showing up to people. I didn't know about all these things. And so once I kind of ran across the miracle of Fatima, it really blew my mind how incredibly similar a lot of the Marian apparitions were to what happened to me when I was 23. The way that she looked, uh, the indigo purple robe and the moonlight that she seemed to be emitting, these are all very, very similar to the Lady of Fatima and the Lady of Saint Damiana, or uh, San Damiana, Italy, and the Lady of Guadalupe. Like, they all emit the light and they all, or a lot of them, are wearing purple robes. <laughs> so at this point in my life, I am very focused on researching different encounters that people have had with beings made of light or people encountering the Virgin Mary and also kind of going off into different parts of the world and their different traditions because it seems like the Lady of Light shows up in every culture around the world. She has different names, but the way that she appears and her message of caution and self-improvement seem to be very standard amongst all of her different incarnations. Do you have familiarity with the Bledsoe's and the sightings of the lady on their property? I do, actually. I, I'm actually uh, friends with Ryan and Chris, and I've had many conversations with both of them about it, specifically because of the, uh, the similarities of the Lady of Light that Chris has encountered and continues to encounter, and the being that I met. Um, there are some very distinct differences. She actually talks to Chris. <laughs> and <laughs> Do you feel a bit slighted? I, I used to. And then I was talking to a spiritual friend of mine. And 
she's very much into spirituality, not so much into the paranormal stuff, but she actually, I was telling her about my encounter with the lady and how I couldn't hear anything that she was saying. And she was like, well, maybe that was kind of a way for her to show you that, that you need to talk about her. And so maybe I'm supposed to find her words. <laughs> Do you have hopes or a methodology, a strategy for trying to have contact with her again? So I started wearing a rosary every day, all the time. I wear it all the time. And I've worn it for several years now. Not because of any particular notion to be a part of any particular Christian faith, but more so as a communion with the goddess. The rosary is quite literally the, <laughs> the feminine symbol, the circle with the cross down below it. And one of the things that the lady, at least in her Marian apparitions, keeps repeating is to uh, pray the rosary every day. And I think that there is wisdom to be found in meditating with prayer beads. It's something that's been around a lot longer than Christian faith. And I have found that it brings a lot of value to my life to have those with me whenever I am having moments of doubt or I need something to kind of a pick me up or I want to ask for something specific in my life, I'll actually meditate with the beads. It definitely seems to help. It's not necessarily that I am worshiping the lady as a god, but it brings me closer to the spiritual experience that I've had since I met her when I was 23 to have the rosary with me. So I, I feel like it really enriches and deepens my own spirituality. And it hasn't, I, I haven't met the lady again since that time. I really hope to meet her again someday because it's one of the, the drives that I have felt since I met her is that I need to meet her again. Um, so far, that's, it's not been a repeat show yet. <laughs> You said the visit from the lady was the most profound experience of your life aside from becoming a father. What is it about becoming a father that places it so clearly at the top of all possible experiences? So my daughter, Callie, she actually appeared to me in a very vivid dream about a year before she was conceived. To hear the full interview with Chris Kingston and lots of other exclusive extras, become a Plus member or a patron. Just click the link in the show notes 
Your money finances my obsession with Imelda Marcos's shoe collection. <laughs> Soon to be known as Stuart Davis's shoe collection. I made one miscalculation, which was to buy all the left shoes first. Now I have 1,500 incomplete sets of footwear. Daddy needs right shoes now. I am hobbling around in a manner most unbecoming of a first lady. By the way, these diminutive shoes are the wrong size, but they will be bigger after my toe endectomy. Why do I want Imelda's 3,000 shoes? Why don't you? Mmm, because you collect gloves by Cornelia James. How vainglorious. Fetish? Fetishistic? It's not a foot fetish if there's no feet in the footwear, fucker. I'm a foot freak? You're a finger freak! But just like a Catholic indulgence, I'll absolve the sins of plusers and patrons with a clickety-click-click-click-ka-ching!